This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Well, it's always a good day when I have my filmmaker buddy, Matt Mickelson, with me on Center Stage. And here he is with us today for our monthly conversation about film and film news. Welcome, Matt. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) So tame. (laughs) Matt comes with his strong opinions and his relevant eye into the world of cinema today. So I always look forward to what you have to offer to our conversations. And we've also got my producer and engineer, Bob Small, uh, running the board back here, and he's going to have his own opinions because we're going to talk about film today and specifically, really, about the Oscars' best picture picture nominations and winners, okay? So with that in front of us, I just have to say, I want to hear what your take was on, on the Oscars this year. I mean, the broad picture. I just can't believe Star Wars didn't win every category. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. <laughs> and Bob? <laughs> I, 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 yep. Uh, I didn't realize Star Wars was up for anything. It no. was. It it's was usually indeed. just up for special effects or yeah. something. Or... And it was up for, well, John Williams was up for the music. Oh, and I, yeah. I was really hoping he might, you know, na- nap at this time because he's 88. But of course, you he's know, this... never gotten it. Oh, no, he has before. Oh, he okay. has before. Oh, yeah. my Lord. But yes. for other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likely, and nominated yeah. many, many times. Um, but he's in his 88th year. And, um, Which is you like know, the new 60. It is, actually, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm, I must say, you're looking rather tawny, you know, really? to, to our listeners. Yes. Have you, oh. have you been somewhere in the sun? Uh, no, just my blood pressure, maybe. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, that's probably political stroke yeah. um, movie, right? <laughs> maybe. <Yeah>. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. So what did you think of the Oscars show this year? I mean, uh, you know, what did you think about n- not having a host, per se? You know, how do you think it went? Uh, yada, yada. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it, it it's kind of like football. You just kind of half pay attention to it until something pops up that you are familiar with or that you like or it might be controversial I suppose and then someone does a musical number and they come back and do some more half pitch do you know I like was football, I was know. watching the red carpet show from one o'clock in the afternoon really I was not half paying attention I was into those gowns I was into whoever was going to be there I was into the early hosts you know, because everybody has something to contribute, which is always interesting. And when it gets to about six o'clock and we're kind of on, you know, home stretch there, it gets a little crowded. Yeah. But it's kind of cool, you know, who walks in in the beginning and comments about, of course, gowns and jewelry. And who are you wearing <laughs> is always the big question. Uh, we girls love that. I know. We I know, love I know, it. And we love the men, too. I mean, we want to see something extraordinary. What are you wearing? A tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> Again. And then there's Brad Pitt. And, you know, I got to say, like you and your your tawny appearance, to me, Brad Pitt has come into this age where he just looks fabulous. The only reason I want to be an actor is so I could hire a personal trainer, and preferably Brad Pitt's personal trainer would (laughs) be great. Whatever he's doing there. He's like 55 or something, right? Or He looks wonderful. Or maybe 60, he's, 70. He's, he's aging well. And you know, <laughs> once 70. he was asked in an interview, how do you get this body? And he said, I was just born. I was just Bastard. born with a package. Mm. So there you go. Um, <laughs> all right. So we haven't really talked since the Golden Globes, have we? No, I don't believe so. What, what did you think of Ricky Gervais this year? 
Uh, I, I uh, heard mostly rumors and things, and I think I watched a couple of his, of his little ditties, but he's always pushing that line. And oh, he really pushed it this Pushing year. real hard on that line because, you know, like he says, I don't care. I don't care. He really didn't. <laughs> Why do you keep hiring me? You know, <laughs> and the they checks were like keep in the clearing. Going, I guess I'll just keep doing this. Why don't we get rid of him now? I mean, yeah. <laughs> mid, mid-show. mid But, you know, he, some of the stuff he says is so true. It's just absolutely frightening. Yeah. Um, do you still think that the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, and the Oscars are still relevant to the business. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, to be able to be in the business and actually being getting a paycheck is a miracle in itself. Really? But, but, you know, to actually, you know, it's a, it's a lot of hard work. It's like construction. And hmm. I mean, aside from being lucky to be in it, once you're in it, yeah, you're pulling 16, 18 hour days if you're on a project. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is making millions and millions of dollars. You know, I mean, you, you, people on the crew have to be there, too. It's just not the actors and the director. There's like 300 other people on that set that are making that stuff happen, yeah, yeah. you know. So, yeah, you give rewards for building a building which took a thousand people and a billion dollars. Sure. You know, because usually a movie, you're basically doing a startup business and it may or may not fly. And if it flies, it's a darn miracle. Tell me about being on the crew. I mean, you know, you're a cameraman and Mm -hmm. and you're quite often there. Is is everybody pretty jovial as long as the director is in a good mood and things are rolling smoothly? The director sets the tone. Mm -hmm. If your director is being a jerk, everyone below him will usually follow suit and treat everybody else accordingly. If Even each other as cameraman oh, yeah, and, yeah. It and ju- grip. It, ju- and... It, it just it it's it's like a disease. It just uh, permeates everybody because you're all close together for a long time, and if you're all stuck in the same room for a month, uh, and uh, you know the guy that's in charge is a jerk, then it just the it really does run downhill. Um, but if he's a jovial, fun guy that's fun to work with, then you have the opposite. You know, you have a fun set that everyone is just ecstatic to be on and everyone's ecstatic to be there anyway just because it's their dream it's what they want to do Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. they're getting paid to do it and they can make their bills and be able to make magic basically so do you have any good stories for us any kind of really good jerk disaster stories do we dare no (laughs) (laughs) will you have a job tomorrow okay oh there's a few people that i refuse to work with so (laughs) is that right yeah, just because they were just so ordinary and ridiculous, and I think they might have had some med- medical issues. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they didn't deserve the check they were getting. Let's just say that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Well, besides all the plethora of political statements and causes, which really was out there in the Golden Globes, I felt the Oscars were a little calmer for that, which is one thing I really appreciated because I, I just love the movies. I just want to get down to the movies and and the prizes and and the accolades and and hear what everybody has to say for each other, to honor each other, Mm -hmm. which I I felt there was a lot of this year. And I really appreciated that. Um, But what, Matt, what one film maybe stood out to you more than any other in the nine best picture uh, category? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, movies, whether they're meant to or not, are an escape Mm -hmm. for People for, you know, the average folk going to see a movie, you want to remove yourself from whatever your life is and you want to just shut your brain down and enjoy what's on the screen. Um, But, you know, the Oscars and uh, stuff like that, you know, the people that work in these things are all individuals and they have opinions and feelings about things that are happening around them. And 
the, an award show is a great sounding board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Joaquin Phoenix won, he he has been ruminating on stuff that's bugging him, and he said it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know. God bless him. I, I have a fun. different take on it. Sure, slightly. I I feel that he and I can't think of her name now. The actress that played uh, Judy Garland, uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Both of which went off on what I'd call a tangent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they're both a little insecure about having won. Oh yeah, oh, that's that, interesting. And, and this is them f- wow. looking for an explanation. Yeah, something bigger than just themselves. Themselves. For why they they've won. Actually, yeah. kind of interesting, Bob. Well, yeah. most actors are insecure anyway. people to begin with. Yeah, totally, which is you why know, looking why for admiration field. for what they're doing and and to be validated. Yeah, yeah, um, that's really interesting. And you know, I, I mean, it just seems like there's there's this rash of of uh, superb actors that go through a huge weight loss regimen, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you get an Oscar out of it. You got Matt Damon, Matt, Matt McConaughey, Christian, uh, Bale. Christian Bale goes up and down and all over the place, yep. you know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there was like three Christian Bales inside Dick Cheney. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he had to do Ford versus Ferrari and dropping 80,000 pounds. Again. Yeah. Yeah. But at uh, least he got to use his own, oh, almost his own accent, you know? Well, not American anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But I, I thought, I, I really enjoyed his performance in Ford versus Ferrari because yeah. he yes. disappeared into that guy. I agree. I thought he was Australian, mm-hmm. but apparently he was English. He was Brummy but, from but, Birmingham. But apparently this guy had a lot of mannerisms and stuff. I guess maybe he, there was some old film of it or something because he was totally this weird, lanky, schlumpy, mm-hmm. You know, Englishman who is just, you know, could be found, you know, inside of an engine tinkering around, mm-hmm. you know, after the uh, after work. I, I had a mechanic buddy and he would just leave tools in there all the time and, <laughs> and sometimes open the hood and there he was. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved was the way he was always talking to himself when he was driving. He had that rhythm all set up through, you know, the, the music of his own language. I'll have some of that, please. Yes, 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 yes. And the way he talked to the car and he felt the car. And, yeah. of course, he helped to build that car. And it was so brilliant to me that uh, Matt Damon went to bat for him so many times yeah. as Carol Shelby to really get this man to be able to drive. And I love how the the, the character, he talked to his son. There was a really good oh, father-son relationship. Because, you know, he was his son's hero and, you know, he was one of those few fathers that really pick up on that because right. very few fathers do. But um, how he described how you're a part of the car and describing the perfect lap where you got to yep. duck and, you know, revving the engine is your friend on some turns. And, you know, as someone who drives stick shift, Exclusively, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I enjoy a lot of this stuff because the guy who taught me how to drive in the snow, you know, is a rally racer, and you know, got we, you know, he used to rig out, uh, you know, cars so we could do a hundred miles an hour in three feet of snow. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and we'd pass Fun. the police, and they would do the lights, and then turn them back off. <laughs> well, you know, my dad, my dad used to build small race cars. He was a mecha- car oh, mechanic, okay. and we were car people. Yeah. So this film spoke to me on so many levels. Oh yeah. But the bromance between these men, and I loved Matt Damon as Carol Shelby. Mm-hmm. Even though Carol Shelby was actually like six foot three, mm-hmm. and Matt maybe wasn't that tall, but we don't care because he just had that thing, that yeah. real raw thing. And I, I loved his attitude. I loved the way he pushed Ken Miles. And I loved the way most of us don't even know who Ken Miles actually was because he was not a household name. 
You know, he wasn't like all the yeah. great drivers at that time. Well, like time. the Scottish guy with the hat. You know, you always heard about him <laughs> uh, in the seventies. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Yeah, what's his name <laughs> with the with the hat? But you know, Stewart. he was. Uh, um, Malcolm Stewart or something? No, no, no. It was uh, – um, no. oh, he, 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 he would do the broadcasting you know, for the race <laughs> yeah. and he'd, he would just Actually, ramble on in Scottish. And <laughs> but he was – I loved him. He was very good. But here's, he was also a very good driver. He was an amazingly yeah. good driver. Here's James Mangold known for Girl Interrupted, um, Copland, and a film I really love, Walk the Line. With again with with Joaquin Phoenix, also Logan who directed this, and Logan, and right. one of my favorites, a real underrated movie was which is uh, Night and Day with Tom Cruise. Oh yes, which is just yes. a hoot. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It's actually. just a fun, goofy spy James spy Bondy things, movie, the spy hmm. couple, and it just the thing moves, man, and 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 I for some reason it it, it didn't get its due. I don't know why. Um, but I, every time that thing comes on TV or if I find it, I'm, I'm stuck, hmm. you know. But I've got to say that the scene when um, they Ford approached Enzo Ferrari, yeah, that was classic. Mm-hmm. And then the little spies that were running over at light speed to Fiat yeah. to say what was going on. <laughs> and, you know, this whole thing with, with Leo Beeb. I mean that was true. Yeah. You know, he he set Ken Miles up in the end not to win. He had he had a personal thing against him. I mean it's it's so sad and then of course uh, we won't give away the ending, but everybody needs to see um, And then Lee Iacocca oh, was portrayed as some kind of a, you know, a, you know, he seemed like a decent guy, he which I hope is true. And yeah. he ended up running Chrysler. Chrysler. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s? Well, he's the brought, brought, brought us the key car. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we were discussing it before we even started. Yeah, yeah it was that a piece of furniture with two wheels and a lawnmower mm-hmm. engine? Yeah. It's However, wheel drive, though. However, he had the good sense to know Down that, a hill? that you guys wanted a, a, a sex appeal car to drive. Oh, that's right. He was the Mustang you know? guy, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we got it. I mean, thank God for that. Good Lord. But I, I adored this film. I really, it really got to me on a lot of levels. And, and yes, I thought Christian Bale was amazing. No, it was really well done. Like, like uh, <laughs> almost like Tucker in a way. Right. You know, how, right, how right. he had all these innovations and the, Bridges, the car yeah. companies were trying to, kept trying to uh, trip him up, you know, just mm-hmm. because they had their way of making, you know, doing the lowest common denominator. And that's just fine for them, mm-hmm. which which mm-hmm. is why we find ourselves in a lot of situations that we do, because they want to give us the least for the most amount of money. And right. then right. you're 100 years behind your technology all of a sudden. And then someone like Tesla comes and takes it away from you. And there it Ta-da! is. Oh, my gosh. And what about the Irishman guys? You, you Irishman yeah, um, lovers? Yeah. It's like Goodfellas 2. To me, it reminded me of why I miss The Sopranos so much. Yeah. I, I love the idolization of gangsters, but this one was so great because it was details in history along the way. You know, yeah. when they bring in a new character and then they would freeze frame and then say, oh, uh, Crazy Joe was gunned down, you know, in the parking lot, you know, da, da, da. And I, I loved that because these these aren't, aren't people to be mm-hmm. idolized, but they were the movers and shakers of the time. And I didn't realize just how much power, silly me, yeah. Jimmy Hoffa actually really yeah. had. Yeah. At the time. And and also just, you know, Scorsese has had uh, some opinions about different genres of movies and stuff like that. And, you know, once – I mean, this is – how long is he – he's still so relevant in the, his genre of filmmaking, which is storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing flashy. Right. No, nothing is, is exploding mm-hmm. and your, your plot is depending on ten – 
large battle scenes where everyone dies. You know, it, it, it's you're, he allows his characters to ruminate. You actually sit still and watch them think for a minute because exactly. they're conniving, watching a guy come into a room. What's going to happen? You know, just all this stuff that we forget because we're being spoon-fed action so often. We expect to be entertained every three seconds with mm-hmm. something flashy mm-hmm. as opposed to taking a minute and really wondering what these characters are thinking about. That was what the thing about that movie that I did like, that the, yeah. the story got told to me in a manner that didn't lose me. Exactly. I was able to follow it without any trouble. And that's why we needed the three hours and 15 minutes, because he really, really wanted to give us the complete story. Got to get the papers, get the That papers. didn't really seem long to me. Of course, no. I watched it at home. But, yeah. but Joe Pesci, yeah. maybe the most controlled performance I have ever seen mm. out of that actor. Yeah. And I, I have to say I really enjoyed that. I love seeing Harvey Keitel again because we just don't see enough of him. The gang. And yeah. every time I go to England and I see Harvey Keitel. Ray Romano doing, was okay, too. Uh, Ray Romano was a <laughs> Amazing. And who would have known? Yeah. But Harvey Keitel does ads in England for insurance companies. And oh, like, really? Why aren't you back in America giving us more of what you do best as a fixer? You know? Yeah. Um, but there you go. Now, I, I have to say, maybe my favorite film out of all these choices, seriously, mm-hmm. and I, I consider this to be a masterpiece, was The Joker. I was so beguiled. I was so compelled by Phoenix's performance. Mm-hmm. I was in awe of the cinematography. I was in awe of what Todd Phillips, known for The Hangover, yeah, what he did when he was literally saying to all his social media comedy haters and telling him he's politically incorrect, well, I'll do the flip side. Yeah. And now we, we, this is a study in mental illness. Yeah. And the compassion I felt for the, for the character of the Joker was yeah. huge. Or mental illness with, 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 without help. Exactly. Um, and and we feel <clears throat> compelled to feel responsibility, yeah. you know, within the framework. We don't have the Bruce Wayne thing yet forefront. And I found that really interesting, too, because they downplayed that. It, it's heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's, and, it's and uh, uh, the, the Wayne family comes off as a bunch of jerks, actually, in this yeah, version. Yeah, they do. You know, they and, do. But it, it also just – I mean, it's basically – it's kind of like Taxi Driver with makeup and the fact mm-hmm. that – um, you know, De Niro is in this. <laughs> I'm sure he's very well aware of that uh, uh, comparison. But, true. you know, the taxi driver character wasn't abused or had any real mental issues. He was just fed up. Yeah. Um, but the Joker's character was just abused left and right. He couldn't catch a break. And plus, you know, they took away his medicine and his medical care and said, good luck. And yep. it, it was, you know, like the late 70s and the 80s in New York City where everything was real dire and not pretty. I mean, exactly. my, my mother st- is still afraid when I go into New York City because uh, she thinks it's still like that. <laughs> well, there there is something in that. And yeah. I think the, the drive towards the end where he's actually going on instinct, trying to write himself. He's mm-hmm. trying to find some sort of foundation for himself, you know, without the social worker, without any any support system. Yeah. And the various truths that are revealed along the way are, are mm-hmm. hard. It's, it's hard for the audience to take in. Again, Todd Phillips, you are... A, a master worker. I mean, I'm very impressed. Well, I mean, it, I, and and also they they had the foresight to go back to a, a certain genre. I mean, I don't know what movies they used to give them inspiration for the look and feel and the pace, but they definitely went back to something. Oh, they did, and it was again Scorsese, and it was Kings of Comedy, yeah. and um, yeah. the, you know they talk about that in, in the writing. And and I, and, I so, mean, this is a great year for movie movies. 
You know, this wasn't a bunch of superhero stuff where mm-hmm. once again, mm-hmm. you know, something's happening every three and a half seconds. It's it's been it's been a lot of films where you actually had to be patient for things to mm. happen. You know, like mm. like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. You're literally just hanging out in Hollywood in 1969, and you're loosely following Clint Eastwood's career. With the background right of Charlie this, Manson right before, and the cult. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's the second of this uh, Tarantino fantasy film where uh, the plot takes a different turn from the reality of it. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Inglorious Bastards where they had the whole killing Hitler fantasy. Exactly. Instead, exactly. this was uh, instead of the killers going to the left, they went to the right. You know, <laughs> and I really felt this was Brad Pitt's moment. He, he that Brad Pitt was a lot of fun. He was so in this, powerful you know. in this in this movie. There was a certain kind of underlying power that he seemed to carry. Where Leo DiCaprio is always—I mean, super insecure—and and to have both these men in one movie, hello, yeah. this was like you know, Fantasy Island. <laughs> it was exactly. great. Well, and it's like all the other Tarantino stuff where everybody's in it. You know, mm-hmm. like Kurt Russell and right, and uh, and all these other you know great actors. You know, f- popping in for these little was cameos. Kurt in this too? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And Timothy oh, Oliphant oh, okay. has this really wonderful little moment, and and but Leo DiCaprio, the, just that that melancholy about actors that yeah. have just gone slightly off and, and are on the downside. Every actor had to identify anyone who's ever tried acting yeah. or remembering things, you know, <laughs> as a living, you know, going into yeah. the trailer after he flubbed a couple of lines and he's beating himself up for it, you know. Um, and then he comes back out of that trailer and, and threatens to kill himself that night or yep. if he, if he oh, doesn't, yeah. if he messes it up or whatever. <laughs> and he goes out there and gives the best performance of a, you know, B-rate TV show uh, that he ever did, you know. And, and um, there's a really cute moment with his little girl co-star where she's like, that was the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, and she's like eight. Yeah, um. <laughs> but she's better than everybody on set. You know, <laughs> she's studying, staying in character. But it really gave you that that really neat little peek into old Hollywood, which is it's exactly how it is now. It's just some of the toys are newer and cheaper and easier to come by. In in know. Tarantino's uh, storytelling, he likes to play with us with a sense of fantasy. Yeah. It's it's a lovely thing, and I think again it's getting back to what movies really should be. I mean, this entertainment quality. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can't deal with all the harsh reality, you mm-hmm. know, of a story. And yeah. certainly Charlie Manson. You know, two things. I I was so driven to read about Manson and his cult and how long it actually went on, and it's still existing. And Ford versus Ferrari, I wanted to read everything I could about Ken Miles afterwards. I've been doing all this research and on his son. Because I, it's so interesting to me how, you know, we, we think about these things and we just put them on a back shelf. And then a movie comes along and reminds us yeah. how important, you know, these people and details are. Um, now, for me, I'm not so excited about the details in the winning film. The parasite. Oh, parasite. The parasite. So, yeah, yeah, it was the parasite. Um, Well, and 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 and, you know, and it's a foreign film from Korea, and it's it's all subtitles, you know, and it's very few and far between that that a foreign film, not an American film with an American actor, gets anything. Um, To say nothing of being the top film. Exactly. Usually, they might get you know neat foreign film, and that's is this still fair? They win international foreign film category. Is it fair for them to also win Best Picture? I I, I'm sorry, I'm I'm still not on well, board with it that. It may be fair, but is it appropriate? Yeah. Well, there we go. Do you feel that they they really legitimately earned it? 
I, I feel they have their own category, mm-hmm. and, and, and we have ours in, in the English-speaking world, but I, I guess others don't agree with me. Mm. Guys, what was your feeling about Parasite, please, Matt? Uh, I got to see it at a little theater in, in uh, Bedford in Westchester with an audience, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was, has a lot of disturbing messages, and, and um, you know, if it smacks of any kind of reality out there, a lot of people might be able to identify with it on several different levels, because um, all the characters are decent people, but they may not be the smartest, or they might do bad things that they have to make a choice, you know, because uh, they try to do something good and then a, something happens where now they got to make a choice or these people that they know are going to lose this or that. You know, it's 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 um, it's an extreme, you know, caricature of life sometimes where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make a serious choice and that choice might be hurting somebody else to protect your family or hurting someone else to protect your job or getting somebody fired so you look better or, you know, just all kinds of things. Um, and it really makes you ruminate and think about some of these things and, and make it might make you have to dig a little bit deeper into your own psyche to see where you are. Well, it, it strikes me, and having not seen the movie, one of the things I want to say is why is it named Parasite and not named Overlord? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it could have gone either way. It's right. looking yeah. down, apparently, at, at the... Uh, at the attacking yeah. ones, as opposed to looking up at the uh, the yeah. overlords. Because I, uh, I mean, no, like I said, nobody's the bad guy oh. until they get an opportunity to show whether they are the bad guy or not. Well, you know, I, um, in I, I some gotta, way, shape, or form. I gotta just say, <laughs> I I detested this film. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare when I go to a movie, especially one that wins best best picture, yeah. and I absolutely am not only repulsed, but I actually detested it in yeah. every possible way. I didn't think it was totally extraordinary, not in filmmaking quality. Mm-hmm. And in writing, I kind of get it. I think there are so many cultural implications in the South Koreans that we don't understand. I felt that the the, the grifter, um, low-class people who were taking yeah. total advantage of these people were so I, – I could not identify with them. I could not feel any compassion, really. And it really bugged me to death. I, I have to say, I really, I had a reaction. Well, to that, that was a funny thing. Is that that you, as a as a film as an audience member, you're supposed to feel compassion until they do something where they nullify that compassion. They're like, yeah. just when you were feeling good about us, we're going to go do this. You know what? I, I felt that at the beginning of Parasite, but never mind. We'll, we'll talk about this in another <laughs> show. But Matt Mickelson, i got to thank you for being here. I mean, this is so much fun. Always in Bob I, I, Small. This has been a joy. <laughs> Let's go to the movies, okay? Keep going. Matt, Yay. come back and join us soon. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage.